Hey, let's give it up for Alicia, who uh, made our dinner tonight. And uh, for the worship team, this is awesome. Awesome. How are you guys doing tonight? Oh, some feedback here. You guys doing good? Did you guys, uh, did you guys miss us? No? Not really? Not really, no? I think this is acting weird. I missed you guys. I really did. Israel was, Israel was great. We got, I don't know if you guys were following us on, on Facebook, but a lot of us got like stomach flu, and so we were barfing, and it wasn't, it wasn't a pretty sight in the Holy Land. One of my favorite stories, we're at the, we're at the second most holiest site. This is called the Dome of the Rock. It's the second most holiest site for the Muslims. And Bill gets sick and pukes in their purification sink. And our, our guide starts, he like panics. He like, Bill, Bill's like, a, he, he's trying to do the Christian thing and tell the guards like, hey, I, I was sick and I need a towel. I want to clean this up. But then our guide was like, get out of here. We got to get out of here. What are you doing? They're going to kill you. And so, so he, he totally defiled their, their second holiest site, and that was highlight, highlight. Uh, that was just funny. That was just funny. That was really funny. Couldn't have been, the, uh, couldn't have been a better time. But, uh, you know, what, what I brought away from the trip, I just wanted to share something since you're probably going to hear it for the next month from Pastor Jeff just about Israel, but... I think for me, the most powerful moment is we're in the garden, right? The Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus was praying before everything happened, before he went to the cross. And, and they had these old trees. These trees are over 2,000 years old, these gnarly-looking olive trees. And, and I was in the spot where they said Jesus was praying. You know, the, he was in, at this rock, and the disciples were falling asleep. You know, they were, they were kind of a stone throws away, and they're falling asleep. And it was just powerful because I was just thinking, here was Jesus, right? He, he knew what he was about to do. He was sweating blood. And I was just thinking about the disciples, and, and they were just, like, falling asleep. And it just kind of really hit me, just kind of hard of just, like, wow, you know, that's like our humanity. You know, how many times we, we failed Jesus, you know, when, when, he, when he's, like, about to do this huge thing, and the disciples are asleep. They can't even stay awake, and I was feeling, I was feeling kind of guilty, feeling bad, but then I went to the spot where Jesus restores Peter, you know, and how God just, like, even though we fail, God just wants to restore us, you know, he restored Peter. Peter denied Christ three times, and, and Jesus asked him the question, Peter, do you love me? And he did it three times, because he wanted to restore Peter's faith, and that's, that's our God. We have a God of grace. We have a God that I just, I just can't even fathom just the grace that he wants to pour out on us. You know, even today, I was just getting wrecked by God's love. You know, there's just so much, like, you guys don't know anything about God's love. We really don't. I don't care if you've been a Christian for 30 years, 10 years, 3 years. Like, God's love is new every day. Like, we can actually experience God's love, and it would be something fresh and something new every day for us. It would never get old. You know, it says that there's faith, hope, and love, but the grace of these is love, or love that will remain. Because if you think about it in heaven, we're not going to need faith because we're going to see God. 
We're not going to need hope because everything we've hoped for would be standing right there. But the only thing that's going to remain is love. And as um, Diane, didn't she do a great job as Diane was speaking? <laughs> she, might, she, might still pastor, she might still pastor Jeff's job, you know, her son's job. She's speaking. But just how important love is, I just want to ask you guys, how comfortable, how comfortable are you with God's love? You know, we say that a lot. It's almost cliche. We say it so much. But honestly, I think a lot of times we're not comfortable with it. You know, we don't want God to get close or we feel guilty or we feel ashamed or we think about like, just like, how could God love me? How could he love me? How could he actually accept me? You know, because a lot of times we don't love, love ourselves the way that God loves us. We don't see who we actually are in the light of his love. And that's just something that I think God wants to do in this church, just really baptize people in his love because honestly, you can have all this head knowledge, but it's not gonna make sense because you don't have that centerpiece of love. Like you're actually, that's like a lens that you need to see things through. It's like not actually having the right prescription. You know, you could read all this stuff and have all this knowledge, know everything, study the scriptures, and yet completely miss it. You know, you could be like a Pharisee who studies the scriptures, looks for, looking for eternal life, and, and yet Jesus is standing right in front of them, and they miss it completely. They don't, they don't even see it. Or even Paul, who actually is persecuting the Lord, how he's, how he's killing Christians, and he thinks he's serving God. You know, he's been, a, he's, he's been a follower of the law. These people, when we're in Israel, there's these people there, and they're so religious. They, they follow all these laws, and they look outwardly, like, man, this person's really something. They're really spiritual. But we know that, as Christ has said, it, it's not the outside. It's the inside. It's the inside. You know, we could do all these things on the outside. That's not what gives life. It's have we received his love? Are we comfortable with his love? And that's something that we get to do every day. That's something we get to access every day. It's just his, his throne, to be in his presence. That's, that's what grace is. Grace is actual, the empowering presence of God. It's like having God come near you, draw near to you, to, to heal the hurts, to, to help you in your weaknesses, to, to just be closer than even a brother, you know, closer than a, a friend to just help you in life. And that's, that's just something that I'm, I'm praying and I'm really hoping for the um, breakthrough for a lot of people. I don't know if I said this before, but this is going to be a year of significant breakthrough for people and I don't want anybody here, I'll, I'll, say, I'll say it again, but this is going to be a year of significant breakthrough for people. It's been prophesied. Everybody's talking about it. I mean, the most significant breakthrough you might even experience in your life. Like, that's, that's like how this year is lining up. And I don't want anybody to miss it. I don't want anybody to say, that's not for me. I don't want anybody to, to, to just miss what God wants to do. Because a lot of times when God makes a promise... We start heading towards that promise, and all of a sudden we see a giant. We, we see something, and it, and it scares us. It intimidates us. It, it, it makes us afraid, and, and we're, we're too afraid to, to fight it because we think that we're fighting alone. We're having to come at it alone. We don't believe that God is going to fight for us. And I just want to say, some of you guys are just a stone, uh, a stone away from your breakthrough. You know, all you, gotta, you got a little stone, and all you got to do is cast it at the giant, and you're going to see your breakthrough happen. And that's just faith sometimes. Sometimes you've got to move in the faith that you, that you have, the, the faith that, you, that you're 
in order to get these things. And so that's, that's something for, I don't know if that's just a word for somebody, but I really do believe there's giants in the land, you know, and, and God wants to train us to be giant killers, you know. Goliath wasn't the only giant in the Bible. You know, Goliath was a giant that David killed, but actually there was four more giants, and the ones who killed it were the ones who actually hung out with David, his mighty men. And so if you need to learn how to kill giants, I, I suggest hang out with people that have killed giants. Hang around a giant killer if you want to be around people that are going to do that because I don't want anybody to, to miss that. You know, that's not even part of the message. It's just a little bonus, but I kind of feel like God hijacked me today. You just like, I was working on this message, and I was like, I'm going to throw this away because it's not working for me, and God wants to do something different. But we're, we're in this passage of, of Malachi, and I just studying this passage of Malachi, it breaks my heart because we were in Jerusalem and this town, our guide was saying, this town has been destroyed and rebuilt 24 times. 24 times this town, Jerusalem, uh, has been, uh, it's, it's, I don't know what the word is, but it's changed hands or changed uh, leadership or ownership 40 times at least. And when I hear that, I'm like, how can that happen? This was God's, these were God's people. Why would that happen? What, 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 what went wrong? Why, how could a good thing go bad? And we see in the Old Testament the rebellion, the sin that, that happened, that caused um, his people to be taken into captivity. Now, I kind of want to explain a little bit of the Old Testament because we're in the New Testament, and I want to make this clear. The Old Testament was conditional. It was, God's, it was conditional on our performance. And so if... If we did good, if God's people did good, they would get blessing, right? If God's people uh, obeyed, if they followed the laws, if they served God, they worshiped him only, then they would actually be very blessed. But if they turned their heart away from God, if they started to serve idols, if they started to not seek after justice, if they started turning aside, what would happen is that God, uh, God would actually allow their enemies to to take them, to take them and, and bring them to exile. And, and that's what we're kind of in. The people um, right now at this time point have just returned from Babylon. They were taken thousands of miles away from their home as slaves. And some of them were killed. Some of them, just imagine, they were taken as slaves away from their hometown, and it was because of, of their rebellion. And I think we don't realize that today is that is that I think spiritual complacency leads to slavery because that's what happened. These people got complacent. And that's why um, in this book, this prophetic book of Malachi, he's trying to get their attention. I was sitting uh, the other day at Coffee Bean. I was sitting with my friend Ed. We get coffee. And I wasn't facing towards the parking lot. He was facing towards the parking lot. And I'm just, I'm sitting there, right? And I just, and all of a sudden I just hear, stop! And I freak out. I'm like, what? What the heck? But I look behind me and somebody's backing up and there's another car and they don't, the person backing up doesn't see that car. And it, it kind of startled, startled me, but, I, but then I was thinking, you know, he's trying to stop something very bad from happening. Somebody getting in an accident. And when we read this book, that's what God is trying to do. He's, he's like shouting. He's trying to get people's attention. 
because he doesn't want them to become slaves. He doesn't want them to go back to the same old thing, go back to the same old um, complacent lifestyle that they're actually in. And I just want to start, if you guys want to stand with me, we'll read this uh, verse 10. Long intro, but we'll get there. We'll get there tonight. <clears throat> it says, uh, we're in Malachi 2. It has some stuff on the screen. It says, are we not all children of the same father, Abraham? Are we not all created by the same God? Then why do we betray each other, violating the covenant of our ancestors? Judah has been unfaithful, and a detestable thing has been done in Israel and in Jerusalem. The men of Judah have defiled the Lord's beloved sanctuary by marrying women who worship idols. May the Lord cut off from the nation Israel every last man who has done this, and yet brings an offering to the Lord of heaven's armies. Let us pray. Father, I just pray tonight, Lord, for a fresh word, Lord, a, a living word, God, from you, uh, just into the hearts of, of the people, Lord. I, I just pray that um, we would be encouraged tonight, God. We would be encouraged by your love, by your grace, God, that we wouldn't walk away feeling guilty or feeling shame, Lord, but that we would have hope, Lord, hope that we can overcome uh, the things that we face, the giants that we face in the land. We pray this in, in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys may be seated. <clears throat> so the unthinkable is happening. You know, the God's people, they begin to betray each other. If you see in verse 10, they start acting treacherously to one another. They start violating the covenant. You know, they're supposed to live in harmony. They're supposed to love one another and now they start doing terrible things, terrible things. And one of the things that, there's three things actually in this passage, but the first thing is that the men are actually marrying women who worship other gods. They, they worship other gods. And, and that might not seem like a big deal. Like you might think, well, what's the big deal of that? It, it seems pretty serious. You know, but the, the, why is the Lord going to cut them off from the nation of Israel? But it's it's. It's very serious because I, I was thinking about it today, and just even about marriage itself, and just how I was talking with Trace, and he was saying that, actually backtracking a little bit, he was, uh, had a conversation about this, because Trace has a lot of good stories about uh, when he was in charge of a singles ministry, and how people... Uh, you know, you saw a lot of people get married. People make a bunch of decisions. But Trace was saying that, um, you know, the most lonely people uh, on this planet are Christians who marry non-believers. The most lonely people on this planet are Christians who marry non-believers. And the reason why that is is because the, the thing that is most important to you is not important to the other person. You know, and, and sometimes... We, we think we can make that work. You know, they, they thought, well, you know, it's not a big deal. We can marry somebody else. But what happens is that your heart begins to be led astray. Your heart begins to actually, um, you actually become like that person. You know, it's kind of crazy, but who's the strongest man in the Bible? Samson. Who's the man after God's own heart? David. Who was the wisest man in the Bible? Other than Jesus, Solomon. What was it, the three things they had in common? 
was that they were tempted and they all fell from a woman. You know, Samson, there was, he had his Delilah, right? She tricked him. She, she tricked him in order to cut his hair. You had David, right? He lusted after Bathsheba. He, he even committed murder. You had Solomon, the wisest man in the Bible. And what happens is that he had multiple wives who served other gods, and it says that his heart actually turned from the Lord. And so this is something that, this is nothing new. This is something that people have been facing for a long time. This is something that, if this is something that you're facing or something that's in your life, don't, don't feel like this is something that's not new. But you had the strongest man, you had the man after God's own heart, you had the wisest man all struggle with this issue. And so it's, it's not an, an easy thing. But I just want to encourage you guys is that, you know, God has his best for you. If you're looking, if you're single, God has his best for you. You don't need to settle for someone. You don't need to, like, look for something um, that's not headed your way. I heard, I heard a story of um, there was a lady. She was a stewardess, and she, got a, she, got a, you know, she went through a divorce. And all her friends were saying, hey, you know, that's all right. You know, we're going to find you another man. Just come with us to the bars. Come with us to the clubs. Just, just come. You know, we're going to find you another man. And she knew. She knew better. She's like, you know what? The Lord is going to bring me my husband. Like, I don't, I don't need to go there. I don't need to do that. I'm not going to find my husband there. Because she knew. You know, because sometimes we've got to do God a favor. You know, sometimes we think that God's going to bless us when we're, when we're actually looking in the wrong way. We're actually going the wrong way, and that we think that he's going to give us the promise. You know, he's going to give us the promise when we head towards the promised land. When we, when we head back to Babylon, when we start backpedaling back to Babylon, that's not a place of promise. That's a place of slavery. That's a place of broken dreams. That's a place of unfulfilled promises. And I was thinking about it. God doesn't fulfill his promises when, when we live in Babylon, when we're, when we're actually slaves, when we're actually like backpedaling into that lifestyle, that's not a place of fulfilled dreams because he actually calls us out of that. He calls us out of that and he wants us to start moving towards the promised land, the place where he's gonna fulfill the dreams, the promises, the, 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 the blessings that he wants to put on people's, on people's life. And so I just kind of want to, actually do some table talk. I was just thinking about that. You know, maybe, you know, I wanted to ask, are you moving towards that promise, that promised land? Do you feel like you're moving towards that or do you feel like you're stuck? And so you can just talk about that at your table. You can be honest. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to share something or whatever, but I just think that I want to talk about that. Are you moving towards your promised land? And go ahead. I'll give you guys two minutes
About one minute. All right, guys, let's wrap that up. So if you feel like you're stuck, if you feel like there's some area you need breakthrough, um, God actually wants to partner with you because what grace actually means is, is the ability to, to live the way that God desires. It's, the, it's actually the ability to live righteously. That's, that's what the gift of grace is it's not just an unmerited favor. It's actually he wants to give you the ability to overcome, the ability to, um, how it says that God um, will bless us. You know, he, he he's draws near to the broken heart. He, he's actually drawn when we're weak. He's drawn to that because he wants to strengthen those who, who's are, who are weak. And there's areas in all our lives that we, we need that strength. You know, as human beings, and even just being in the garden, just realizing, like, there's areas in all our lives where we're, we're weak and we're going to fail Christ, but he's actually willing to come and strengthen us in those areas. But the thing that's um, heartbreaking about the Old Testament is that we, we see this cycle of sin, you know, and I kind of was thinking about it. It's, they had this cycle where they, they love God, right? They just, they love God, 
And then it starts turning into, oh, you know, we, we love you, Lord, we love you. And then it turns into a like, where it's like, oh, we, we like you, and, but we, we like other things too. And then it, it starts turning into ignoring God, where it's like, oh, you know, God, we're going to start doing our own thing, or we're going to start serving other God. This is God over here that we're going to start serving, because that, that God's going to bring us uh, something that we want, you know. It's going to bring us um, whatever. So you ignore God, and then slavery happens, because they weren't connected to the source of life, slavery, and then all of a sudden they, they realize, oh, God, we need you again. We need you again. We need you. And then God comes and he rescues them, and they're like, oh, we love you, God. We love you. We love you. We love you. And then time goes by. Oh, we like you. You know, we like other things. And then, then we're going to ignore you because we get tired of God. We're going to, you know, we get tired of you. We're going to do our own thing again. And then slavery happens. The thing that happens again, it's like, God, we need you. We need you. Oh, my gosh. Like, where are you? I'm crying out for you. He rescues us. And God, we love you again. And it's like, that's the cycle. That's what they're stuck in. It's literally, I had this picture, you know, there's this awesome movie, Groundhog Day. I love this movie. I love this movie. You got, you got this, this reporter. You got this reporter, and he, he's, just this, he's just kind of a jerk, right? He kind of has a crummy, he has crummy character. He, he, and, and he just lives his day, he just lives so selfishly, lives through the lens of selfishness. He goes about his day, right? All this stuff happens, and then he wakes up the next morning, it's still Groundhog's Day. And then he lives it again. He lives it again. He's living through the same lens of selfishness. He's living for himself. He just doesn't see the, the purpose of it. He keeps on living the same day over and over and over again until what happens? What happens is that he actually he gets a new lens. He gets a new lens, and he starts seeing life not through the lens of selfishness, but through the lens of love. He, and 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 then finally, he lives the, a perfect day, right? He, he lives through the lens of love. He doesn't live for himself. He lives through the lens of love. And what happens is when he wakes up, there's a new dawn. There's a new day. And for some of us, we're carrying those lenses still. We're carrying these old things. We're living the same day over and over and over and over again, just like that cycle I'm talking about, the cycle we see in the Old Testament. They're living this cycle over and over and over and over again. It's just this groundhog's syndrome, and it's because they don't have the lens that God wants to give them, you know, this lens of love. As I talked about earlier, being comfortable with the love of God, and as we're talking about all these things that they're messing up on, it's really because of the heart issue. You know, we could look at the behavior, but everything stems from the heart. Everything stems from the heart. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It, it, it all comes from the heart. Is our heart soft before God, or is our heart still hard like a rock? Is it still, oh, God, I don't know if I want to, you know, if I can do that today or whatever. You know, is it, is it still hard as a rock? Are we still stuck in our ways? Or has our heart turned to God? Are we willing for him to soften our heart? For some of us, we've, we have a lot of um, hurt. You know, people maybe have sinned against us. Things have happened in our life. And sometimes that hardens our heart. You know, it hardens our heart and it doesn't make it soft. And God's trying to soften that heart so we can feel his love. So we can actually be moved by his love. That we can operate in a place of his love. We're going to move on to the second part. 
This is a, the second thing that they were doing. Um, they were breaking their marriage vows. He says, here's another thing that you do. You cover the Lord's altar with tears, weeping and groaning because he pays no attention to your offerings, and he doesn't accept them with pleasure. You cry, why doesn't the Lord accept my worship? I'll tell you why. Because the Lord witnessed your, the vows you and your wife made when you were young, but you have been unfaithful to her. Though she remained your faithful partner, the wife of your marriage vows. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? No one who has even a small portion of the spirit in him does this. And, and what does he want? What does God want? Godly children from your union. So guard your heart. You guys remember Randy was saying, guard your heart. Remain loyal to the wife of your youth. For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty, says the Lord of heaven's army. So guard your heart. Do not be unfaithful to your wife. A little backstory. Even um, some commentators believe that these guys, they were leaving their faithful wives, right? Their faithful Jewish wives, and they were marrying younger women who worshiped other gods. So it's like this, this double-edged sword. You know, they're leaving their faithful wives whom they were committed to for other women who didn't even serve God. And God is saying, how could you do such a thing? You know, why would you, it actually says in the text, it says cover his garment with violence. Why would, it, it's this violent act of ripping two people apart. It's because of the hardened heart. You know, didn't it say in, in scripture that uh, because of your hardened hearts, Moses permitted divorce. Because of the, the pain, because of the things that happen, you know, because of the, the hardness of the heart, he allowed, it, he allowed divorce. It, there wasn't, you guys weren't able to reconcile from that. But I love how he says, guard your heart. Look out for your heart. Make sure it doesn't get hard. Make sure it doesn't, it, it doesn't become cruel. Now, I was watching, um, it was kind of interesting, I, I I was, you know, I was sick in Israel. I got the stomach flu, and I was sitting there watching the television. There was this Christian channel, and there was this pastor, Jimmy Evans. He, he has this whole series, Marriage Today. He's a really great guy. If you need marriage advice, look up Jimmy Evans. Um, but he said something really profound, and I don't know if this ties in or not. It's just really good. But he was saying him and his wife were really broken, you know, they were Christians, you know, he was saying how he even cheated on his wife and just did all kinds of stuff. He was, he even admitted, he's like, I was a chauvinistic pig, and I treated her bad, I dominated her, I didn't allow her, you know, it, just, it was just not a good marriage. But we were Christians, we were trying to figure it out, we both had a lot of hurt. And he, he realized one day that it was actually God revealed to him, he's like, you know what, that I brought you together to heal each other and not to fight against each other, you know, because what happens is that whenever she got close to his wounds, he would manifest, he, he would just, he would get afraid, he would get angry, he would push her away, he didn't want her to see the hurt that was inside of him, and likewise, she had hurt as well, and she didn't want him to see the hurt, she didn't want him to get close to the hurt, and so the, the, the revelation that they had was that 
God actually wanted to like use this marriage each other to bring about healing, to bring to be to allow each other to be safe around each other, allow to allow that to to transform the marriage. Now, bringing that to our context today is that like sometimes the people that annoy us, sometimes the people that bug us, sometimes when, we, when we're ready to quit on our promise, ready to quit on our covenant, we don't realize is that maybe that person is, that we're supposed to bring healing to that person and maybe that person um, is supposed to bring healing to us. I heard this um, great saying where it says, God blesses and curses us with the people that we need in our life. He blesses and curses us with the people that we need in our life because he uses people to show what's really on the inside, you know, to show the hurt, the, the pain, the things that we've suffered. But a lot of times we think, oh, this person just bugs me. Oh, I can't stand living with this person. Or I want to get a divorce. But really it's like the stuff that's coming up from the inside is coming out. And, and you're reliving an experience that you've had maybe in the past. You're, an old wound is being stepped upon. And so I just wanted to share that with you guys because I thought that was really significant because I think God, you know, as a church, we're, we're going to offend each other. We're going to do things that, to hurt each other. You know, there's even some people who are like, who've been really hurt by the church and like, I'm never going to go again. But I think when that happens, it's like God is actually trying to bring about healing. You know, this stuff is going to come up. He's going to bring about the healing. And so I don't know how that fits in. It's just really good. I liked it. I liked it for myself. But I'll, I'll finish up here. I've been on the soapbox too long. He says, 17, you have wearied the Lord with your words. How have we wearied him, you ask? You have wearied him by saying, all who do evil are good in the Lord's sight, and he is pleased with them. You have wearied him by asking, where is the God of justice? Or in other words, God overlooks wrong. I think that's kind of the final nail in, in the coffin is, is not realizing um, the hurt that we're causing. You know, they actually got into this mindset that, you know what, doing evil is not bad. You know, actually God, God accepts everybody. He's, gonna, he's, gonna, he's going to uh, overlook evil. And I think sometimes that's kind of gets, it's just this funny picture of Jesus and his grace. You know, grace doesn't say that sin is okay. It actually empowers us to live righteously. Because I realized, you know, even though Christ shed his blood on the cross, that he, he gave us a way to life, he didn't do away with hell. You know, there, there's people who, who cannot, for whatever reason, receive his grace, receive uh, the forgiveness of sin. And, and that place, hell, was created for Satan and his fallen angels, and that's where they're going to go. And I, I think, <clears throat> I don't want to like make anybody feel condemned or for anybody to feel that way because we're here. We have Jesus. He shouldn't be afraid. You know, we, we should be actually celebrating because our names are written in the book of life. But just kind of the, the divide that he wants to, to live. He wants us to live in the light. He, doesn't, he, want us, he wants us to actually step out of the darkness and into the light so that we can be where he's at. 
And I think one last thing I wanted to share is just that, um, you know, God's, for us in the new covenant, God's love, his acceptance, his forgiveness is unconditional. Because this is the old covenant. We're reading this through old covenant lenses. But for us, God doesn't base his love on our performance. He actually actually told his disciples, like, I'm going to shed my blood for you, and I'm making this new covenant with you. And that was right before they, they like, left him. They they hung him out to dry. And I was thinking about that, and I was like, how could God do that? He's saying, I'm going to shed my blood for you. I'm making this covenant with you, this agreement with you. And that was right before they were, you know, like, in the garden, before they were falling asleep on him, before they, they run away. But that's the agreement that God is making with us. He's like, I'm shedding my blood for you. I'm, I am going all in for you. I unconditionally love, accept, and forgive you. And that's something that we get to hold on to as New Covenant believers. But here's, here's the second part, is that I believe that God's blessings, his favors and anointing, those are conditional those are, those are things that if we want to go out, we, those are things that we have to go after. Those are things that I'm going to be headed towards the promised land. I'm going to be headed towards this direction because I want God's blessing. I want his favor. I want to see my, the dreams fulfilled in my life. And I think that is so important because sometimes we, we get that, you know, like, oh, God loves me. We get that. But are we, are we moving in that direction? Are we moving towards the breakthrough that we need to have in the life. And that's something that I wanted to share because I just realized that there's times where I'm living that groundhog day. You know, I'm living like that, right? I'm living for self. I'm living in the same sin, the same lifestyle. And, and, and it's like, and I'm actually in a position where I'm actually blaming God. You know, God, how come you haven't come through your promise? Or how come my dream isn't happening? Like, and, I'm, and yet I'm just living that, and I don't see through his lens. I haven't realized, I haven't gotten outside of myself and, and realized what was actually missing, the missing part of having a heart that was actually soft, becoming soft, becoming alive, thinking about other people, thinking about the bigger story, the bigger picture. And so tonight I just want to pray for you guys pray for us. I know there's just so much stuff in this room. There's, I don't know where everybody's at. You know, maybe some of you guys are doing amazing. Some of you guys are struggling. Some of you guys are great. But I actually want to just pray um, right now that the Lord would just begin to do work. Because like I said earlier, God, um, he's going to be blessing this church immensely. He already has. He's, he's going to be just doing tremendous work and just healing. And even the healing of hearts, the um, transforming people's lives, giving people revelation, just salvation, all the things that he's doing this year. I don't want anybody to miss that. And so I'm just going to pray. I'm done talking. <clears throat> Lord, you see all things, Father. And I just pray, Lord, right now that you would search our hearts. Lord, for wherever we're at, maybe we're, we're a thousand miles away, God. Maybe we feel like we're a thousand miles away, that we're, we're stuck. Lord, we're living the same day. 
Or maybe our heart is soft, God. Maybe we're, we're experiencing your love. Lord, and I just pray, Lord, I just prophesy and pray, Lord, that nobody would miss your breakthrough. Nobody would miss your blessing, Father. Lord, and I pray, God, that, that you would just give people revelation, Lord, that you would give people a baptism of your love, Lord, just a taste of your love, Father. Because I know, Lord, we, we look for it in other places, Lord. We try to fill our hearts with so many things, Lord. And, and yet the, the, the main problem, the, the biggest thing is, is just our heart, Lord. Is, is our heart comfortable with your love? Is our, heart, is our heart willing to receive the love that you have for us? That grace, God, that grace that's so uncomfortable, Lord, that, that you would want to wash our feet that you would want to almost be like a slave and, and wash the dirtiest parts of us. And so, God, I just pray over the congregation tonight, over your people, Lord. God, just that they would know your grace. They would have a radical encounter with your love. Maybe when they're asleep, maybe it would transform them, God. It would actually break the lens off their eyes, Lord, that, that keeps them from, from having that new day dawn. And so I just pray that, Lord. I pray just for your blessings and your peace to rest upon us, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. You're